0: We're talking about the upcoming class on mammon that we are beginning the week, the Sunday before Ash Wednesday, which is also the Sunday before Lent, and we'll run through the entirety of Lent. Um, Hi, Ben. Hi, Spencer. Hey. What's up? So this is what we're chatting about. We're talking about why we're doing this class. Mm -hmm. Why are we talking about mammon? Uh, What, maybe, maybe, we're using this word mammon. Mm -hmm. What is mammon? And why now? Who wants to tackle... Ben, why don't you tackle what is mammon? <laughs> and then uh, maybe Spencer can do why now.
1: I, I'm not sure if I'm prepared for all this. It's all yeah. right. Some... Mammon, here's what I know about mammon. You can maybe fill in the gaps. Mammon is... Uh, an, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, actually a god that Jesus names as a rival god in the New Testament. Um, oftentimes it's translated money or wealth. Um, but uh, my understanding of mammon... And the way that idolatry uh, works uh, in the New Testament is that it is a, it's a system. It is a, an imagination. It is uh, a way of thinking about the world that makes some things possible in our imaginations and makes other things impossible in our imaginations. And so oftentimes, uh, yeah, the ways, that, the, w- the way that we think about things is, is oftentimes limited by these kinds of, uh, superstructures that, uh, that inhabit our imaginations. I know it's kind of an academic way of talking about it, but I think that is part of what mammon is, is a way of organizing and structuring the world that makes us think certain things are natural, normal, just the way the world is in quotes versus no, this is something that actually has been constructed on purpose for specific reasons, and it scripts our lives in ways that even, uh, even against our best intentions can, can script us into unfaithfulness of the gospel at worst, and at least ignorance of what it would actually look like to live as the body of Christ in the modern world. So that's kind of a super vague general... <laughs> definition. Yeah. So it feels, Im- I mean, I guess you were, Spencer, you were going to talk about why, but like, it feels important. Um, because, uh, you know, I mean, a big, a big part of us starting the table is wanting to interrogate what it, what does it look like for us to actually live as the body of Christ? What does it actually look like to believe the gospel? If it's not, and we've been saying this since the beginning, if the gospel is not just an individual message about how to sort of get your ticket punched to heaven. If the gospel is about God's new world, becoming present in this world and becoming alive in our lives and, and in our relationships and in our political arrangements, like if God's kingdom is actually breaking in, well, it confronts and challenges all kinds of things. It doesn't just forgive us of our sins and give us some warm fuzzies. And then we go to heaven when we die it confronts and challenges the ways that the world has set, set itself up against the knowledge of God, to use a scriptural phrase. So it feels important for our discipleship to, to look at how has mammon, in what ways does mammon manifest itself in our modern world? The way we think about money, our relationships, capitalism, the economy, all of it. And uh, what of that is just complete lies and needs to be repented of? And what what might that look like? So just yeah. a few. That's just some little stuff we're dealing with during Lent <laughs> this year.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that was a pretty good explanation of why. Why now? I think, I mean, my answer was going to be a lot shorter. I just oh. thought last Lent we solved racism. And so now we're moving on to solving mammon as a <laughs> church.
0: Uh, oh. Yeah. Yep. You've uh, listened to another table chat and we'll see you next time.
2: Thanks. Thanks for coming, everybody. (laughs) No, I think, uh, there's a, there's a tendency to like, you know, uh, it's easy in the abstract to section these things off, right? Like here's racism over here and white supremacy, here's mammon Mm -hmm. and, and these things, but really life is so messy and so involved and interwrapped in each other. So everything Mm -hmm. that Ben just shared about the logic of mammon, the way that it orders our lives and shapes and defines how we can see the world, that that all goes, I mean, it's some, at some level, it's almost inseparable from what we have been learning as a church about race and yes. inequality and justice. And so yeah. it's not even as clear cut as saying, okay, now we're going to a deeper level. Although I do think that it's essential for us as we continue to learn about race and inequality and colonialism and white supremacy that we talk about how finances shape our lives and that it's not just like ideas about what would be just to do with money, but also like concretely who has money and how it's used in society
1: Mm.
2: and what happens to those that don't have it and don't have access to it. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And we're not just, you know, I mean, there's a huge part of it that the, the, the value is the learning. There's a huge value in the learning that we're doing, but also like Ben alluded to, we are trying to find our way into a different way, a different posture towards and with these things. So, we as a church are still learning what to do with our money
1: mm-hmm.
2: and how to activate mm-hmm. on behalf of people without access to it and how to activate on people that are experiencing injustice as mm-hmm. it relates to finances and otherwise. So, yeah.
1: yeah. We're, we're going to
2: cover all that in seven weeks, I think. Yeah,
1: pretty much. It's going to be that's actually week one. And then the week two is going to be some more stuff. No. But yeah, I, li- I like what you say, Spencer, about the connections between those things as well. That the, like that, that's that been part of our learning recently as well. It's not just another topic. Here's another bad thing in the world for us to think about. Uh, but yeah. they're connected. Like, like our current economic system yep. is inextricably tied to, to the rise of white supremacy and racism and, the, and, and is inextricably tied to so many of the ways that we see the world that are invisible to us, especially as white people they are invisible to us. And learning to sort of deconstruct how mammon shapes our imagination is part of this sort of long repentance, uh, corporate repentance for us to say, like, how how do we unwind our connections to this? If I can say it this way, satanic force that destroys and and corrupts the creatures of God. how do we, how do we live in the, live in the gospel?
0: You know, it's interesting, uh, St. Gregory of Nyssa, John of Chrysostom, and other church fathers talked about Mammon as a demon. Hmm. So they, as the seven deadly sins developed, each deadly seven deadly sin had like a demon associated with it. And Mammon was the god of greed or covetousness, hmm. the demon of greater covetousness. covetousness. Um, yeah, Ben, what you're saying, like you can't, we can't, the more we got into white supremacy, the more we saw how inextricably bound up it was. It was connected to and reliant upon the economic prevailing economic order we live mm-hmm. in that you can't even talk about the emergence of whiteness and white supremacy with what became a global capitalist economy. You can't even talk about them as two separate things because they emerged together yep. they emerged simultaneously they emerged concomitant and co-reliant on each other and so that that was it like I was like, okay what so we're talking about white supremacy, which um our church has been awesome. Y'all who are listening, you guys have been awesome as we try to address this and yes. name it and stay yeah. interested and t- attentive to it long enough to actually uh, deal with our own reactivity and offensiveness and boredom as we talk about it. But you can't start, you can't talk about that without talking about the way it shapes and orders uh, our life in our economy as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, look, can I, get, can I just give like a little example here of kind of the work we want to do? Sure. Um, I, I am reading this book called The Weirdest People in the World. And weird stands for wealthy, educated, industrial. Healthy? Yes, wait, there's an H. Is that oh, right? Wait, no, no. Okay. Ah, shoot. No. Western. Thank you. <laughs> there's no we- H in weird. Western, Western, educated, industrial, <laughs> okay, rich, and democratic. So it's an acronym. Weird. W. Western, educated, industrial, democratic. <laughs> I'm sorry, rich, democratic, uh, and this guy is talking about how like uh, those people, mm-hmm. which of which we are, we're weird. He he calls them weird because their social, psychological, uh, mental, emotional way of being is distinctly unique in the the arc of human history. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, part the part of the point this book is making is that like 70 to 85 percent of all. Studies they do on people to figure out how people do, how people work, are done on like weird people at college campuses. And so it's totally skewed um, towards weird people, right? Um, So, for instance, have you guys heard of this marshmallow experiment Mm -hmm. that they do with kids? Have you heard about this? Mm -hmm. Like they they put a marshmallow on a plate and they say, hey, I'm going to leave. And if that marshmallow is still here when I come back, you can have two marshmallows, right? So, so there's a, a, another experiment with adults that's similar. It's, here's $100 right now, but if you wait one year, we'll give you 200 Right? Hmm. And the research shows that like, um, the research shows that weird people are much more likely to take the $200 later than non-weird people people who aren't from the West, who aren't super educated, who aren't rich, who aren't um, industrialized, right? Hmm. Um, And as I read this study, this wasn't this guy's point, but as I read the study, I thought, this is one of the ways that mammon works. I'm taught, I've, I've been formed and shaped in a culture that teaches me to value, like, economic return. So I think... If I wait a year, if I'm patient, I can double my money. And that seems like a virtuous good without even my considering it. It's virtuous, right? What doesn't occur to me at all is that that choice I have to not take the $100 is a privileged one. Hmm. Meaning it assumes that I don't have a relative in jail that needs bail. It assumes that I don't have a car that's broken down that needs repairs. It assumes that we have food and jobs to eat, right? It assumes that I don't need that $100 to stay alive. So that that's that's the first thing, is that like my value of what's good is normed and shaped by me having plenty of money. But, but then the second thing is, is I don't even consider who do i know that really needs 100 dollars right now or what good can we do together if i take this 100 dollars now that i that we would have to wait a whole year to do i e we would not be doing good in areas of need i e there would be a sin of omission so for instance we couldn't invest in some kind of new curriculum to teach our kids about sustainable agriculture etc. And so like I just I hold that out to say like may, it's common in these conversations to think of serving mammon or worshiping mammon as loving it in your heart.
1: Yeah, being super greedy like yeah. Like uh who's the duck that's super greedy? Oh, Scrooge McDuck. Scrooge McDuck. McDuck.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Remember his big vault of gold coins (laughs) he'd swim in? This is a total genetics conversation. Yeah, like you got to be some
1: kind of a dragon, you know, who's just like, oh, I love money. Like that's not not what we're talking about.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So to serve mammon just means that I want to hold out before us that like 95% of the ways we serve mammon are pre-conscious.
1: Yeah, they just seem obvious.
0: They aren't explicit decisions. They seem obvious. They seem normal. They seem just the way it is. It's not, we don't even decide to serve Mammon because we have already decided to serve Mammon. And that's what we're, that's what we're talking about here. So we're not answering questions of how to get a budget together. We're not going to bag on Dave Ramsey, although we could for seven weeks, that would be uh, thoroughly enjoyable. We're not going to talk about how much money is too much money. How much money should you give away? How do you know if you, how do you know if you quote, desire money too much? there's varying degrees I think of helpfulness in those conversations, but this is much more about what is the logic that sustains the dominion and reign and rule of mammon in our world. And I think, I don't know, I've never been a part of that conversation before.
1: Yeah. I think those are better questions. And, um, the, yeah, I'm looking forward to, uh, learning together about this, like we're we're not coming to this as like, we studied this last year and we became experts on how to subvert mammon. Um, but, but I I think as we, as we learn together, I'm eager to hear from y'all, um, what comes to mind for for you, you know, and, and what ways do you notice sort of mammon working silently in our lives? And what, this is the most exciting part of it for me. is like, what little experiments could we run that would be disruptive at least to our own imagination for, you know, what, what is obviously true and good for us. Right. Like what would open us up to being the kind of community we say we want to be, um, as it regards this element of, you know, um, life in Christ, you know, where we we're in solidarity with each other, uh, looking to share in the gifts of God's kingdom together. Um, and so let's look at like what are the uh, what are the unseen ways that we resist this? And we don't even realize I'm resisting God's abundance right here mm-hmm. because I'm you know assuming that two hundred dollars two years from now, a year from now is is better than a hundred dollars today. That feels like an obvious thing, but is it? Why does it
0: feel obvious? Why does it feel obvious? So and this we don't need, typically look at these things, right? Like I actually our brains are designed to create. Uh, to make pre-cognitive decisions uh, um, like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds a day so that every decision isn't this crisis, right? Because it would just like, we'd blow through all our energy and our brains would explode. <laughs> we want we want decisions already to have been made so we so that we can focus on other things. But those already made decisions is how mammon rules. Mm-hmm. That's... That's what I get super excited about, and I'll just be honest, you guys, super intimidated about, because I'm thoroughly complicit, caught up in this. Mm. Ben, I know you are, Spencer. I, I can't speak for sure, but sure. no, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, we're not like speaking from this privileged place where we've got this figured out. So, okay. Uh, hey, Ben, real quick, there's there is some kind of conversation on the group mees about how do people get the readings because uh right now they're just listed like they're listed on the website but people can't get them from the website so how would people go about getting the required readings for this
1: good question we will um, why don't we put a, why don't we put a link? We're going to put a form on that page to say, Hey, if you'd like to attend this class and get the readings, let us know who you are and we'll email you out the readings. Um, we didn't want to just put them on the website for any Yahoo to download. We just want, we just want y'all to be able to download it. So, um, so yeah, we'll, uh, we'll email them out. We'll put a form on the website so you can look for that on at the table, slash mammon, M-A-M-M-O-N. Sweet.
0: Any uh any final words, Spencer?
2: I I mean, I was on on the edge of my seat over here for that question, so now I'm just going to have to spiral out all afternoon I'm dreaming of what it could have been.
0: All right. <laughs> well, maybe come to the first class and I'll I'll start the class with that question. I'll look right at you and just say, Woo. Yeah. Um I was just oh, I was going to ask you, what are you hoping to get? Like what are you hoping to get out of this? Like, what do you, what is your desire for this class for you personally?
2: Yeah, I mean, I was just reflecting the way that we're talking about what we hope the class will be for us and for the church. It it does uh, pair nicely with what we did last year, as far as racism and repentance, in that is in that we're not providing like a, a pat answer as a church. And I think it's you know, it would be much easier if we just like did some real thorough study studying and came up with like, OK, here's here's like the numbers or here's like the discernment criteria that you need to go through personally. But in reality, like we're trying to equip ourselves and our church for making these decisions. You know, there's a the big picture decisions that we make on an annual or maybe even further out basis. And then there's like you said, Matt, there's those like hundreds of precognitive decisions that we're making every day and so to provide some kind of equipment for how to how to live faithfully today because we're we're living we still do have to live in the world that we have here right unless you relocate to a different country or are able to set up some structure that will serve you and your family in a way that you can still survive and be educated but we also want to be actively living for the world and the city that we want to have here and so yeah, I'm just looking forward to like last year in racism and repentance, mm-hmm. talking about how the ownership of private property is, you know, can't be separated from that conversation. And my co-vocational job is being a realtor outside of the church. It's, uh, you know, it's changed the way that I do my job and it's given me better questions to ask uh, and really a more faithful way to be a realtor, which I don't know what that'll look like. Three years from now, but it definitely looks different now than it did a year ago. So I'm excited to see how the Mammon class can impact impact us all in that way as well.
1: Yeah, it'll be really helpful, I think, Spencer, to hear from you what those things are. Like, I, I think this is what this is part of what we need, right? Is these concrete uh, examples of how have people done this, or what what have you noticed in your profession that um, seems to be under the logic of Mammon, and how do you how do you try to disrupt that? you know, again, without just saying, saying like, I guess I can't be a realtor anymore. You know, I, I'm going to try to, you know, live off the grid or something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And because I think increasingly that's even impossible now, right? That like the, the system that was created, I mean, this is, this is part of the interconnectedness of all this, but the system, the, our economic system has become a global one. And so it's increasingly difficult, you know, for people to extricate themselves from it because it's it's worldwide and so we do need to look for these small doable ways of subverting the system that we cannot completely extract ourselves from Um, and so I'm looking forward to hearing examples uh, from you and and from others as we walk through this class together it's gonna be fun awesome looking forward to it everybody yep all right again February 27th Sunday morning, 9 a.m., you're going to have to set your alarm. You have to show up bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. I recommend showing up just a few minutes early. We can, we can we'll can, we see, but maybe we can have some, you know, I don't know what the rules are, but maybe we can have some coffee. I may be overstepping my, my bounds here, but um, you could at least bring some coffee uh, to be able to, yeah, engage in some, some good conversation. We'll see you all February 27th, 9 a.m. See you then.